Welcome to the Women in Work podcast, the show that inspires you to confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. I'm Courtney Moore. And I'm Missy Branch. We want to introduce you to women who, through their own unique vocations, are seeing what they do make an eternal difference. And we pray these conversations will inspire you in your own calling to honor God, to image Him to the world through your work, and to leverage your potential for His glory. Thank you so much for joining us today. Before we jump into conversation with our guests today, we want to thank the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary for sponsoring this episode. New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary and Level College desire for women to be theologically grounded servants of Jesus who abide in the Word. Their heart is to help women answer God's call to ministry leadership. If that sounds like you, then today visit prepareher.com. Thank you so much, New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. Welcome, you guys. Missy and I are thrilled to have some special guests with us on the podcast today. We have joining us uh, Emily Jensen and Laura Whiffler, who are the co-founders of the Risen Motherhood Ministry and also the co-host of the podcast that goes with that ministry. So we are thrilled to have you guys here. Welcome, Laura and Emily. Thanks for having us. It's awesome to be here. Yeah, thanks. We're excited to chat today. Yay. Together, these wonderful ladies have um, authored a book called Risen Motherhood, Gospel Hope for Everyday Moments. Laura and Emily are sisters-in-law, and they live uh, with their families in central Iowa. So we are just pumped to talk about the calling of motherhood today. Big topic. (laughs) Iowa is a place I've never been before. How's the weather there? Well, I mean, it's a top vacation hotspot, so I don't know why you haven't <laughs> been here, but the weather tends to change a little bit on us. Yeah, we definitely have the seasons, and in the winter, it gets pretty chilly, and because there's just a lot of cornfields and not a lot of trees, the wind gets intense. Yeah, okay. I used to live in Minnesota, and I would say Iowa feels colder because of the wind chill. Okay. Um, even though Minnesota is more north, and typically it, the temperatures are actually colder, Technically, it's like Iowa is frigid because of the winds. We have no trees to block the wind. You learn something every day. Every day. That's awesome. Well, ladies, on this podcast, Courtney and I love to start off with what we call our rapid fire questions, which is really just a fun way to get to know you guys. So we want to get started with those. Are y'all good with that? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So the first question And whoever wants to answer this, or both can answer this. The first question is, as a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, man. I wanted to be a mom, and I played house all the time. If I did play a career, it was probably teacher. Okay, yes. Okay, so I I definitely went with the classic veterinarian, (laughs) but we also had a company that my cousins would play, and it was called Jensen Making Adoptions Better. Like, and we would play it for years with my cousins. I mean, none of us were adopted. We didn't probably even know any children that were adopted, but we would adopt out our other cousins. I have a lot of cousins (laughs) and it was a game that we played all the 
time. And so I think for a long time, I wanted to be an adoption consultant. Wow. There you yeah. go. But I had no concept of what that right. was, but that's what I played a lot. Wow. That's beautiful. That's pretty amazing. And <laughs> Because that's exactly how it works, right? <laughs> and Emily, if you had said anything besides mom, I mean, I would have been shocked. So <laughs> that makes sense. All right. So guys, next question. What was your first job? Okay. I think my very first job, which looking back, I'm like, was I, I must've been a legal age to work. Cause I was, I was so young in my mind. Oh. I got my 14 or 15. I was a sample lady at Sam's club. Yes. No, so yes. no, I did not know this. I had a friend whose mom <laughs> was a sample lady and somehow we got roped into this. So I would go, you know, for a few hours, every other Sunday and you know, did you have to like ration them? Yeah, like, yeah. You have to heat them it up. It feels like when I go to Costco, I'm like, yeah, they're, they're very slow. You like, can delivery. only yes. get one. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. It, it, there's, there's a strategy there. That's an amazing job. Wow. Right, I don't know how long I did that, but yeah. Wow. That actually, I mean, that seems like a great gig, a great first job. <laughs> it does seem like a great gig. Yeah. I would have no samples to give out. I would just be eating them yes. secretly. <laughs> Likewise. How about you, Laura? What was your first job? Okay. My first job, well, for many years, I would work for my mom and dad. They had a small business where we would clean apartments and we would um, paint. My dad painted houses, residential and commercial, I guess, both things. And so I would also go with him to paint the walls of the houses and uh, trim. I became a really good cutter, you know, which where you get to the edges and you don't need to tape or do anything like that. So if you ever need someone to come paint, that's actually... That was my first real job. Wow. There you go. Okay. Well, what kind of work do you ladies want to be doing when you're 80 years old? Oh, man. Well, I hope I'm like a great grandma and just like (laughs) being able to spend time with whatever children are in my life. Um, But I would love to still be doing something similar. Um, Mm -hmm. I think doing ministry in the local church through prayer, um, service. I would love to still teach Sunday school Mm -hmm. and um, maybe still write. As long as I can. I love to write. Yeah, I would echo that with Emily. I mean, the grandma gig looks pretty sweet, not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. And then I definitely would still love to be doing similar work that we're doing now. I want to be working with Emily. I don't know if that's cheesy to say, but I hope she and I. <laughs> A couple of 80-year-old ladies. <laughs> yeah, well, we're family, so we're going to be <laughs> you guys can transition the ministry to risen grandmotherhood or right. something like that. That's right. That's amazing. That's right. So it'll grow right with us. It's perfect. There you go. So you guys are sisters-in-law, we mentioned. And so how is that connection? Who's married to who? And did you guys know each other before the marriage took place? Tell us just a little bit about that personal side. Um, we did not know each other um, beforehand. So I am married to one of Laura's brothers. She has two older brothers. I'm married to the the middle, middle. one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I met Laura for the first time when uh, my now husband brought me back to their hometown. And I stayed in her, um, apartment. her apartment when she was still in college. And um, yeah, we both had these single beds in there. And I think we, we stayed up and talked. Yep. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I remember that being such a big deal. And then, you know, of course, as time went on, we became friends as well. So That's awesome, because winning the sister over is always very, very important. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it's critical. Yes. It's critical. Uh, she did it very good. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Laura, you've written a, a, chil- a children's book, right? 
Anytime, any place, any prayer. That's right. Tell us yes. about that. Oh, well, thanks for asking. Um, yeah, I wrote a children's book that released last September, and uh, it is really a theology of prayer. And my hope is that it will help children understand, hey, what does it mean to talk with God? But also parents and adults. I mean, I've heard from both you know, both parents talking about their children and themselves to just understand prayer more deeply. So it follows um, what it looks like to talk with God all the way from the garden and then what happened in the fall and what will happen once again when we reach heaven. So it was such a fun project to write. It was the book that I really wanted for my kids. And I'm so thankful too, to be able to share it with kids all over. That's awesome. That's so great. And so let's talk about your kids. How many kids do each of you have? I know motherhood is such a huge passion for you guys, obviously. Obviously, um, you are moms. So tell us a little bit about your your children. Yeah, I have uh, five kids, um, four boys and one girl. My oldest is nine and my youngest is four. Um, and so we've got a set of twins in there. I would say that's how the math works out. <laughs> so many kids in so many years. So um, it's really, really busy and really fun. Um, our boys have, you know, a lot of energy and they're very talkative and um, our daughter, who's the youngest, knows how to control the whole household. So <laughs> yes, yes, she's, she um, she's a toughie and is super fun. Yeah. And I have three kids. Um, they are between the ages of eight and four. And I have one boy and then two girls. So Wow. Oh, so that's the reverse of how you grew up, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah pretty much. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that um, I know at our church, um, there are so many young moms and so many of them have been blessed by your ministry. And it's really sweet to interview somebody who we know that the work that they're doing is genuinely impactful. So this has been exciting. And so my question is just talking about motherhood as a calling. With women in work, we want to see women confidently stepping into their work, really understanding that work is God-given, right? And so all work, whether it's corporate or whether it's in our home, is meaningful to the kingdom of God. So obviously, that includes motherhood. So can you give us, our listeners, a vision for how motherhood is more than just what a lot of people have heard it or expected it or even downplayed it to be? Mm-hmm. Well, I like what you mentioned there that all work is important and is God given and it's something that he created us to do. And I think it's, it's really good for us to look back into creation and say, what did God give and command before the fall? What did he say was very good? Well, motherhood was a part of that original design. So when he created Adam and Eve, he called them to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth and to, you know, rule it, subdue it, all of that. And so motherhood was not a flaw in the design or a hassle or an afterthought or something we have to deal with now. Um, because originally we were just created to work, but nothing else. It's like, no, this was part of the original plan. And so I think that that can help us, um, as we consider the calling of motherhood, that if we trust the Lord, we believe that he is good, that the way he has designed things to be is the best thing for us and the best thing for his creation. And we want to embrace the things that God says 
are very good. And that includes motherhood. And even, you know, in our current culture, thinking about what that means, you know, biologically, that we are uniquely women. And, um, you know, we have a womb that can um, foster life. Of course, I'm talking about kind of pre-fall here, not necessarily talking about all the complications that come in, but, you know, kind of in this ideal way, our bodies are able to nurture life. And even, you know, after a child is born, able to nurture life um, through nursing and different things. And so just thinking that that's like a gift from the Lord and that's part of design. And of course that we know um, the fall impacts that. And once death comes into the picture, um, you know, everything changes and our ability to, um, you know, kind of fulfill that things get complicated. Um, of course, there's a lot of uh, struggles and roadblocks that we come up against. But what's really exciting is when Jesus comes and he gives the Great Commission, we see the echo of that creation mandate. And motherhood now fits into this greater picture of making disciples and being fruitful in the kingdom of God. So that brings forth the concept of spiritual mothering. Mm. And, you know, that's that's available to any woman. I, be, I think in a lot of ways, every woman is called to be a spiritual mother, which really just means to invest in, in children and in younger women and younger men and, and be that that spiritual mother to pour into them, to raise up disciples, to teach and to train and to nurture spiritual life. Um, but, you know, biologically too, motherhood is still really, really important. Um, I think if we believe, you know, God created children, they are image bearers, they are, are people that are going to grow up into adults and have, you know, eternal life, um, then we we have to believe that nurturing that life and pouring into it is really important and that there's a unique role for a mother in that. Um, so one exciting thing that a mom has with a, an infant and a child in the home is that like as a disciple maker, think about how much impact you have on this child's life. I mean, everything from a mother's, you know, DNA and biology is passed on to her child. And then, you know, you are literally involved in the intricate development of their neurology as a baby, as a child, you know, you're not going to spend more time with any other, you know, um, person in terms of making a disciple, an unbeliever. Mm. And even if all of us were to look back on our own, um, childhood and think about how much our, our upbringing and, and our parents impacted us, um, we can realize like, whoa, that is the type of impact that we can have on our own children. You know, we're not going to do that perfectly. Um, we're going to need a lot of God's help. And ultimately he is sovereign over that. But I think we kind of zoom back and realize what an important role we can have um, in a child's life and our child's life. Um, it makes motherhood just uh, a big part of the kingdom. It really does. It just, I'm so encouraged just hearing you chat about that because it just even reminds me, I mean, I have three kids myself, and just how meaningful it really is to, um, I don't know, I feel like the the tendency of my heart sometimes is it doesn't naturally go toward compassion toward them. I'm sad to admit that, you know what I mean? But just hearing you talk is just that like, oh my goodness, these are, they really are little gifts. <laughs> and I need to actually mm -hmm. remind myself of that um, and of just how impactful and meaningful it really is. And so um, you guys love to talk about um, providing gospel hope for moms. 
And so are there areas and what areas of motherhood do you find that women really need the most hope, right? Or the maybe just a biblical kind of realignment with their thinking and beliefs in terms of just being a mom. And then I would love for you to kind of follow that up if there's like a specific, this here's this one piece of just hope that really speaks to that need. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we need a lot of areas of adjustment if I even were to just look at my own life of of areas where I need gospel hope. But one big thing that I think both Emily and I have just noticed over the past few years, and we've, we've even seen in ourselves since probably the moment we both became pregnant, is just that there is a tendency as moms to know that like we're doing a really good job. We want to know that we are being successful moms, that we are making the right decisions, that we are loving our children in the right way, that we are running our homes properly. And especially just with the rise of the internet and social media, I think it's made that even more acute as we can not only Google our specific problem and find 12 different answers, but we can be online and like looking around maybe social media, even just for entertainment purposes. And suddenly we realize, oh, that's not what my motherhood looks like, but maybe it should, or maybe I should follow her example. And so there's just a lot of different ways where I think we can see ideals in motherhood and we can see what maybe looks like something that we should be striving for, that our lives should look like. And then what happens at least I know for sure in my own life, and I speak on behalf of Emily, is that you either go one of two ways, right? You either go to a point of pride where you feel like, oh, I'm doing it better than she is and my decisions are better, or thank goodness, you know, I I agree with her. And and since she's the the lead on motherhood, like now I know that I'm affirmed in my decisions. So we swing the pendulum toward pride or can go the other way towards mom guilt. And we can kind of say, oh, I don't look like her and I don't know how to be like her. And I have no idea how she does that, but she looks so perfect. And so we feel shame and we feel guilt. And the good news of the gospel is that neither one of those are our measuring stick. Like there is no other mother that's walking the planet that can tell us how to be a good mom, but Christ came and he was good on our behalf. And he did all of the things that we could not do. And he lived a perfect life. And so he filled that measuring stick. He measured up on our behalf and then he paid the penalty that we should be paying and took all of the wrath and all of the pain and all of the shame of the sin of our lives and all of the ways that we mess up as moms. And it was buried in the grave. And that is a true hope for us as mothers to recognize that, okay, I don't have to compare myself to all these other moms and seek out being a good mom. Good mom status is not what we strive for. We, we strive to be Christians in service to God, to glorify him in the things that we do. And it actually brings a huge amount of freedom to a mom. I know when I fully got this under my skin, even myself, it was kind of the first time I felt like I could really breathe in motherhood. And in all of the various roles that I do, I kind of felt like, oh, okay, this is the way that I'm uniquely gifted. These are the kids that God has given me. These are, this is the husband that the Lord has given me. This is the zip code that I live in. And now I'm free to live out my, my motherhood within those boundaries Mm -hmm. and not feel like, oh man, seeing that mom over there, you know, who travels the world with her kids and they all wear matching outfits. I need to be like her. No longer do we feel that, right? We can actually say like, no, this is who God's created me to be. And I'm free to lean into those gifts and say, hey, how do I be faithful in the life that God has given me? Because I know that I'm not earning anything in my motherhood because Christ already did that for me. Uh, 
Yes, that's beautiful. So my kids are not little. <laughs> I have the opposite of little people. and um, But I can remember the amount of years feeling like I just am not that mom. <laughs> and no one is going to want to look to me as an example of motherhood. <laughs> and so it is just really, I know what you're saying is so freeing to so many people because I obviously I would hang with all these moms and we'd be at the park and I'd be like, I threw some fruit snacks and some water bottles uh-huh. in the bag and this is what we got, kids. <laughs> Well, and don't you guys think, um, just following up with that, what you said, Missy, I mean, us as women, we're all wired differently. I mean, someone else's strengths, I could, you know, even some of my best friends, I can look at them and say, wow, she is crushing it in this particular area of motherhood because she's just like really naturally wired that way where I'm over here, maybe wired toward more creativity or, you know. Um, So don't you think that kind of plays into even our own ideals of do I measure up or not? It's just, we have to be who God made us to be in the strength that he supplies in all areas of life. And particularly, you know, motherhood. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I actually think that that is such a good question. I mean, statement, um, Courtney, because we think about how we were created to image God and he's made us all individuals who come together to image God. And so if we were all the exact same, (laughs) like God is infinite. He's massive. How could we all image him and be these exact same things? To me, it just seems so limiting to God for us to look the same. But so like thinking about that, one of the things here at Women in Work that we are passionate about is how our work does provide an avenue for us to image God. And I say a lot of times, and that's because I'm crazy, I'm so much, but I say all the time, I don't subscribe to a weak woman theology. And because of that, I think that that comes from the fact that I don't serve a weak God. So my womanhood doesn't have to be wilting and flowery and incapable. You know what I mean? But so what are some of the ways that you guys say, teach women that motherhood images God? Mm -hmm. It's such a great question. And what I like is it draws us back to these high level principles and realities that we can all do in different ways, like what you're saying. (laughs) Um, I was even thinking about this question going, oh man, this is there's hundreds, thousands, maybe ways that, that moms can image God. So I'm just going to pull out a few. Um, you know, one is that God is the ultimate life giver. Um, and so as moms, that's one of the things that we do is we nurture life. So everything from, you know, the literal biological reality of the way that we nurture life, um, even thinking through the way that we we feed and we care for schedules and we care for our children's bodies when they get sick, um, to just our desire to protect and preserve the life of our children. You know, I know we have talked a lot about our fears and the way that, you know, we make sure the car seats are correct and, you know, we're making sure they're wearing the helmets and um all of those different things, like we care that their life is preserved. And then we also care about nurturing their life in the way that we train them, in the way that we disciple them. We want to help um, make sure that they, when when they grow up, they can, you know, be um, contribute to the world that, that their life is going to, that they're going to image God. And then we're also like nurturing their spiritual life. And of course, we can't, um, you know, be kind of the spark that lights the flame that uh, helps our children accept Christ, but we can create an environment and help train them and teach them of this is what it looks like to follow Christ. So I think there's just 
a huge number of ways that we can nurture life in our children and God loves life. Um, and then another thing that comes to mind with motherhood always is just the way we are, image God as we are sacrificial and servant hearted. Um, that Philippians two verse always comes to my mind about Christ's humility of thinking that, you know, he did not count equality with God as something to be grasped, but he emptied himself taking on the form of a servant. Um, and you know, he ultimately humbles himself and he's obedient to God to the point of death on a cross. Uh, we see throughout the gospels, how much he serves and he does very lowly work, work that would have been considered, you know, beneath someone like him. Um, and of course, like beneath, like the God of all things. And so if that is what our savior did, then certainly, um, as Christian women, as mothers, we are not, you know, like above doing certain types of things for our children, above lowly work, above work that um, serves our family, serves children. Um, and so there's a lot to think about there. And even just with our bodies and our energy and our time, I know motherhood is like, hey, you're not getting as much sleep as you want. And you're maybe you don't weigh the same as you used to, or your body looks a little bit differently. And um, maybe you're not able to exercise as much, or you don't have as much capacity to eat a certain type of diet. Like, I think that there are just so many different ways that we lay down our lives and we make sacrifices. Um, so that again, we can nurture life where for our children. And uh, another thing that came to mind is just how um, tender and trustworthy God is with weak vessels. And I've just been thinking about the fact that, you know, an infant, um, you know, can't feed themselves, can't care for themselves, can't protect themselves, can't advocate for themselves. And just um, how mothers <laughs> image God, who mm. is completely trustworthy with our hearts and our souls, even though we can do nothing for ourselves, um, you know, we can protect a life and, and care for a life that can't do anything for themselves. And I just love that. I mean, of course, that's not only, you know, necessarily unique to women. I think men can do it too, but I, I just, I think that's something really special. And even looking back through the old Testament, um, the, the Hebrew midwives, I just love that they are trusted with the infants right. you know, of God's people. Yeah. Um, or, you know, there's just, it can kind of go on and on. Like God cares for the poor, the destitute, the diseased, the disabled, widows, orphans, strangers. And I just see that in moms who care for that, that baby or care for their children when they can't yet care for themselves. Uh, we can image God as we can be like trusted with that task. That's so beautiful and encouraging. And honestly, it just, as you're sitting here talking, I'm, I'm just thinking of just how good the Lord is, man, that He, I mean, you're just reminding me of how good He is, that He does care for us. And and that, I mean, all of what you said, I'm just so grateful that He is that way. And then He gives us the opportunity um, to be like Him. And so I, you know, a lot of times, <laughs> like giving baths, you know, to our children, it's just like, oh, who's going to give the bath tonight, right? Um, but I'll tell you when I get in there, well, <laughs> when it comes to when it falls to me, um, and I'm, I'm bathing, especially my little girl's three yeah. right now and I'm washing her feet. I cannot tell you how often I think of just that passage in Philippians about lowliness, but also just, um, just, just that Jesus washed the disciples feet. Right. Or even, you know, when I'm feeling like I really don't want to have to get up and get this drink right now for, or, you know, where's the little insert for the sippy, right? <laughs> um, just the, that, you know, 
Jesus says um, that if you just give a cup of cold water in my name, you will not lose your reward. And so there's just even little things throughout the day. And I'm so glad you guys hit on all of those things because your thoughts, I mean, we're just constantly thinking. And if we can begin to tell ourselves, wait a minute, I'm doing this for the Lord, um, that's just going to spur us on to keep going, to not grow weary um, in the work of motherhood. So thank you for that beautiful answer. So guys, you know, we chat with a lot of women who they love their kids. They're, they're, you know, I mean, in our sphere, we, we have a lot of women who aren't moms who, you know, I mean, it, we, we've got the whole gamut of women, right? Um, but for those who are moms, they love their kids. They are so grateful, right, to be mothers. But they also really love and are skilled at the work they do outside of the home and outside of motherhood. And so if, you know, and, and frankly, I mean, we have talked to women even on this podcast who are, who say to us, you know, I am actually just better at writing legal documents than I am in the whole realm of home and mom life, you know, but God is still giving them the task of being a mom. And so is there some just biblical hope you would give these women who, depending on the tradition they came from and their thoughts toward motherhood, um, you know, they they might even be dealing with mom guilt that, oh, I, I should love this more, you know? So is there some hope you would give to these women who kind of maybe feel bad that they're not more, you know, quote, into motherhood or better at it um, or even just enjoyed it more, but they're maybe even too scared to say that out loud because who wants to admit that they don't enjoy it, right? Um, I think there's more moms than we even know. Yeah, you don't want to sound like a monster. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I will take this because I very much resonate with this mentality and statement. And I have often felt like exactly what you said, where I, hey, I'm probably better at my job than I can be at motherhood, or I feel at least more accomplished within my role at work uh, rather than my role at home. And I think something that's been really helpful for me is to recognize that these two things don't have to be in competition with one another for like the loves and order of my heart, mm -hmm. that ultimately my job is to love the Lord with my whole heart and to recognize that he has given me both of these things to be faithful in and that I, I don't need to pit them against one another or feel like, you know, which one do I love more today or which one do I enjoy more, but just recognize these, the, the work of motherhood and the work, um, if it's income producing work or work outside the home, um, but to recognize that all of that work can be done in service to the Lord and that all of that is incredibly valuable. And I think for me, I have also really benefited from understanding more holistically and more deeply what the true calling of motherhood is, which Emily already went through that. So I, I won't necessarily repeat it all, but just really understanding the beauty of the role of being a mom and that there really are unique tasks that only mom can do. And that God is sovereign, of course, when a mother is not in the picture or when a mother does have to work significantly and, and maybe the husband is at home or she's a single mom. Um, or the husband is in school, I mean, or she's a single mom or something like that. But the the point being, there are 
things that we as mothers can't necessarily outsource or we can't necessarily say, oh, we'll just let somebody else take care of that. And in particular, that's the nurturing of our children's souls and teaching them about the Lord, you know, the Deuteronomy 6 passage. And that requires time. It requires presence. It requires being there with them. And so we don't want to just say, well, because I see more success at work or because I, I know that I'm better at work, then now I probably, you know, I don't have to do all these other things. No, it still requires your presence of being there and of raising your kids. And so um, I think also just recognizing that um, the role as a mother has that impact for eternity. And I think our vocations can as well, of course. So I think that those, those both play hand in hand. But when I started to understand the eternal impact in the kingdom economy, that was really helpful for me to say, this work matters. It, it works, the, the sweeping up of the Cheerios, the getting out the grass stains from the baseball pants, all of that stuff has eternal impact, even if it doesn't feel as measurable as the work that I do here at Risen Motherhood, because it is fairly measurable at Risen Motherhood. If I have any job that, you know, feels like you can measure some of the impact, we, we kind of do have a job that lends itself at least more easily, but realizing that those two things are not in competition with one another and they both matter um, for eternity. And so some quick tips that I would just offer too would be to say, um, hey, are there things that you can outsource within motherhood even if you feel like you oh, are good. loving your job? You know, what are some things that you can say, okay, well, maybe I can outsource cleaning so that I can do the things that only mom can do. I can be with my kids. I can sing hymns at night. I can read them the Bible. I can pray with them. Maybe there are some things that you can outsource or is it something that you can um, maybe even logically, you know, okay, this is a season. And so just because motherhood is hard right now, and I don't enjoy it as much, I know logically, even though it feels like it's going to be an eternity, I know logically that this season will change. So I had a daughter with colic and I, it was very, very hard. It was, it was some really dark days where I wanted to escape and I didn't want to nurture and love her well and to be tender and kind to her. But I also knew that, hey, she's not going to have colic forever. I had to believe the women who told me that that was true. And so, you know, maybe it's something where you say, okay, I am laying down my life and I will be sacrificial here. And I want to love her well, because I know that this is a season. So thinking through, I think your days and recognizing, are there things that I can put in place that would help? Or, or, or is it something that I know, hey, this is going to change and it feels like forever, but it won't be. And then also, I think it helped me to start to see motherhood as a job that I could improve at. So some of the things that I love about my work are that there are goals, that there are achievements, there are outcomes, there are strategies. Good, yeah. And what's beautiful about the work of the home, yeah, what's beautiful about the work of the home is that you can employ strategy. You can, you can um organize your life. You can create matrices around cleaning or cooking. Um, and so there is real industriousness that the home needs and really requires. And so what are some things that you can take from your work that you really enjoy and say, maybe if you're a writer or somebody who, who, um, writes the legal briefs or things like that, that you talked about, can you write a story for your children, you know, and say, Hey, I want to teach them this, or is there something where you love to organize? And so you say, okay, I want to apply those skills at home and have some goals set in place. And so, I don't know, just taking some of those things. Um, and also uh, with my children, recognizing that, Hey, there are some things that I can do that benefit them, but no, but also use my skills. So like I serve on the PTO of my kids' public school and I feel like, Hey, I'm going to be able to use my skills as a 
um, employee or as a worker uh, outside the home, but I can employ those for for the good of my kids and the kids in my community. Um, so anyways, yeah, I could go good. on and on, but a few <laughs> no, tips there. That's good. that's good. Well, along the same light line, um, like this thought of motherhood being almost like one extreme or the other. Like, of course, there are those people who, and I will be honest, I think I've swung on both sides of this pendulum over the years, but I know there are some moms who are so about their job and so about their work outside of the home that they could really almost verge on the habit of doing the very minimum mom, wife, home thing that they possibly could. But then I also know that there are women who are so invested in being moms that it becomes their entire identity and that they find their value and their worth in that. And for me, I said earlier, my kids are not little. So at the point that they don't need you in the morning to do anything for them, they don't want you to be hanging out with them and their friends. You're not choosing their clothes. You're not, you know what I'm saying? As a matter of fact, I'm petrified because two of my kids don't even live in the same state as me, you know? Um, Like, we recognize that our identity has to be somewhere else. So how could you encourage mom and just women, honestly, to think rightly through the dynamics of identity when, I mean, it's very easy for us to be wrapped up entirely in our work or entirely in being moms? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that question of identity is critical, right? Because as as Christian women who are redeemed by Christ, our lives are lived in service to Him. And um, then we have to look at the roles and the responsibilities and the seasons and the circumstances and the locations that He's placed us mm-hmm. and ask for wisdom and mm-hmm. walk by faith and, and whatever that is and accept that with contentment. Um, I think if we're specifically talking about kind of these two pendulums and these two extremes, I think it's over the years, you know, Laura and I have learned to like be a little bit self-aware of where, what ditch we tend to fall in. And then knowing what truth we might need to preach to our own hearts as we mm-hmm. kind of know, Ooh, I'm erring towards that. I need to come back to the truth of God's word and um, keep my eyes focused on Christ and recognize that you know, he's the one who gives my work. He's the one who gives my motherhood. He's the one that directs the way I'm going to be using my time and my efforts and my energies. It's really not, that's not up to me and what makes me most comfortable and what I feel best at. It's up to what the Lord gives. And so, um, needing those correctives. And so just as like a quick, you know, there's a lot of different correctives we could give, but as like some quick, um, you know, default correctives that we would kind of give, I think on the side of, Hey, I feel really comfortable with work and that's something that's more preferable to me, but I don't feel as comfortable with motherhood. I think it's preaching that goodness of God's design and trusting that um, obedience to him and believing that his design is good and walking in faith and investing in the things that God says to invest in, even if we don't see it or feel it or experience those rewards is still really, really important. Um, you know, I have to do that for work. Like Mm -hmm. I think I don't feel as comfortable in my vocation. Like I feel more comfortable at home. And so sometimes I have to open up my laptop and tell myself, like, I know that this work is good, is important. And God is going to equip me and meet me here with, with wisdom, with strength. He's going to help me persevere. Um, 
Hmm. as I engage in that. And so I think if there's somebody who's feeling that more comfort with work, like trusting that the Lord can equip you in that, like Laura's saying that, that you can grow in this and, Mm -hmm. um, it is good. It is important. I mean, think about how many things in life, um, in, in our Christian life that we don't see the results of, or that don't initially seem good, but we need to do them anyway and trust the Lord in that. Um, because down the road, you know, we get to see the fruitfulness and, you know, our, our oldest is only nine. So I, I don't know how things are going to turn out yet, but I'm just amazed at what we invested when, you know, he was young and I'm seeing some of the fruits of that now. And I'm going, Oh goodness. I had no idea what impact that was making and how important that was. And I'm so glad that we did X, Y, and Z and that I spent that time. But when when we were in it, I could not have known what impact that was making. And so I think just reminding yourself of those things in motherhood that, you know, these are real humans created in God's image that are going to grow up to be real adults. And these investments really do matter. Um, And then I think for, you know, kind of the mom who is really embracing, um, you know, motherhood and home life and all of that, which really is wonderful. I think sometimes we have to say, hey, have I embraced like biblical motherhood, or if I embraced like an American idea of what a good mom Mm -hmm. is, because I think that that cultural standard is extremely child centric and, you know, kind of a Instagram mom would spend every single moment doing everything for their child. They give their, their kid lots of choices and they cater to their preferences and they make sure their kids are always entertained. And, um, you know, they're throwing big birthday parties for their kids. They're making sure their kids get all the right extracurricular activities, um, that they're taking their kids on fun outings and, you know, they're dressing them in a certain way. And like the child almost becomes like an accessory to the mom's life or as like this little picture of how good the mom is or how beautiful and how successful the mom is. And I think that that's very cultural. I don't think that that's the picture of motherhood that God gives us. And so I think some of it is separating that out. Mm -hmm. Like Laura was saying and go, wait, we're called to teach our children to like work hard and love God and serve others. And that type of motherhood looks really different. That type of motherhood looks like, hey, I'm making dinner. You need to unload the dishwasher. That looks like we're going to um, go help out at church today and do this thing. And you're going to come with me. Or it looks like, um, you know, sacrificing, turning their eyes away from them and showing them actually it's not about you. And it's not about how cute you look. And it's not about how good you are at all the things. And it's not about, you know, kind of how nice our family is looking on Instagram or what kind of parties we're throwing. Like, it's about, we are all in this to serve the Lord. And so you're going to come along with mom and dad and you're, you're going to be a part of something bigger. And yeah. I think um, yeah, that leaves good. a lot of freedom and motherhood. Um, and it keeps our eyes focused on the right things that sometimes like, it's not just about like looking at the kids and making their lives as cute and happy as possible. It's about bringing our kids alongside us as we serve the Lord. Um, and that is just like a really different focus. And I might just add two, two things to that if I can, Em, because mm-hmm. one, one would just be, well, first of all, 
if you can't tell, Em and I swing toward the op- opposite pendulums. So <laughs> it's always nice because we're, we're typically opposite on these things. Um, but I would just encourage both sides. Uh, two things. One is that God's grace is big enough for past mistakes. So wherever you have leaned toward, if you haven't been doing all of the little investments over the years and you have poured yourself into your work or you're the other way where you've made a child-centric family and you're realizing, hey, maybe this isn't turning out kids that are following biblical values and virtues, you know, just remember that like you can change at any moment and mm-hmm. you have the Holy Spirit in you if you are in Christ and he can change how you feel about motherhood, how you feel about work, your priorities, the ways that you make balance between the two types of things. And I think that that's been just a huge hope for me because I have found myself leaning different directions during different parts of motherhood. And that is something that I always needed reminded of is that God is sovereign over past times where I have failed as a mother and not done what he's called me to. And, and that's forgiven. There is grace there for that. And that going forward, I can make a change and I can do things differently. Mm-hmm. That's great, you guys. Yes. Missy, were you going to say something? No, no. I just am blessed by this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I want to transition and talk more about the actual ministry of Risen Motherhood. This is a huge part of your life and your time and um, serves um a ton of needs for women. And so if y'all could just take us back to the beginning of how did how did the Lord even lead you to begin this ministry? Um, and were there some trends that you, what were the needs you saw that needed to be met? Mm-hmm. Well, it started about six years ago, I think. And at the time I was living in the Chicago area and Emily was here in central Iowa. So we were living long distance from one another and we both had young children. I think all of our kids were like under two or three. Yeah. Right. And, um, we were pregnant, I think too, with, (laughs) with more children. And so we were definitely in like, what I would just say the the throes of the little years and the really beginning stages of motherhood, where we had a lot of practical questions, right? We needed to know how do you potty train? What kind of, what's your first food that you introduce? What does, um, getting the baby to sleep look like is what screen time look like? A lot of questions that maybe we're not dealing with as much today as our kids are older, but at the time, I mean, they just felt enormous. And we started talking on a voice app called Voxer back and forth with one another. And we were just saying, you know what? Like, I know I'm a Christian. I know that I have faith. I know that I love God's word, but like, I don't understand how it's connecting to the food that I'm putting on the table or that fact that I'm vacuuming three times a day or all of the whiny toddler noises that I'm having to put up with. Like, does God really care how I potty train? Like, does he care? Because (laughs) too, like as being two moms that really wanted to be faithful, we were legitimately kind of asking questions like, is there like a more that. Biblical way? <laughs> yeah, because a lot of people, a lot of moms are telling us in the books are saying, this is the right this way. Is the this right is the way. right way, right? You're going to so, screw up your kids from life if you mess yeah, up. Yeah, so we were scared. <laughs> and through that, I think we started having these conversations that were saying, well, let's look to God's word. Let's stop looking at all these baby books and all these toddler books. And what does God's word say? And so together we were really starting to figure out how kind of these ancient scriptures apply to our modern motherhood. And what was happening as well is that we were realizing, hey, my friend had this question, or I was talking with another friend of mine, or our other sister-in-law is asking this. And so we were realizing 
a lot of moms were asking the same kind of question because there was a lot of people putting out stuff about theology and a lot of people putting out stuff about practical motherhood, but we weren't quite seeing anyone putting that together yet. So one day Emily just says to me, Hey, we should, we should do a podcast and talk just like air our conversations and our <laughs> friends can listen. And, you know, and I was like, oh, no, never, you know, like I totally did not want to do it. I was scared. Um, but the Lord changed my heart and we started doing that in the basement of literally in our basements around mm-hmm. toys and kids around there's, I remember two babies, tiny babies mm. in the first, if you listen to the first episodes, you're going to hear their little noises. <laughs> yeah. And, um, the Lord just took it from there. And it was just one episode after the next episode and truly following the Lord's lead. He has always been at the helm. He has always made it clear that risen motherhood is his and his completely. Um, that was one big reason why we really felt like this needs to be a nonprofit. It just feels so much bigger than us. And, um, the Lord's yeah, been really kind over Mm -hmm. the years to really lead us in what to do each step of the way. That's awesome. So you guys mentioned, um, Laura, you mentioned this a minute ago about how the two of you are wired differently a little bit. Um, And so, but you share some of the roles. I mean, you're both co-founders of Risen Motherhood. You both, you know, you're co-hosting the podcast together, but you do have differing roles in the organization. And so just as you guys now in these six years of ministry, were there some, some ways that the Lord maybe gave you some discernment to even just see, okay, wait a second. I tried that. Like, like how did you settle into the roles you currently have now um, to really find your sweet spot? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely been a process, mm-hmm. but I would also say that because we're wired so differently, there's been somewhat clear pla- yeah. paths for each of us. It and, really <laughs> and one of those, is, yeah. And, and one of those is really that Um, I tend to like to have a larger workload. And so I work 20 hours a week at Risen Motherhood, maybe 25 in busier seasons. And then I have like five to 10 hours of kind of other author book things or whatever else, whatever little projects I'm doing because I love I love projects and work. And so um, that really also helped to give us some direction. Um, I really love strategy and vision, but then also saying, hey, how do you take a big idea and how do you break that down into little pieces to get it done? And so I think that naturally kind of put me on the path towards being the executive director. Mm -hmm. And then for Emily, she's the content director at Risen Motherhood. And you can correct me if I speak wrongly here, but (laughs) Emily is incredibly good at high level strategy, at um, really thinking through things in a critical manner and really seeing all the angles of something. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it really made sense whenever we needed to have, okay, so who's going to really like take care of the content and look at it. And, um, she's also incredibly gifted at theology. I mean, she's just got a mind that works very differently than mine, even though we both do some of the same tasks, Mm -hmm. right? We we both create content. Um, we both love to write. We both love talking with each other on the podcast and all that kind of stuff. But it's been something where I think as we've kind of divided out those roles, Mm -hmm. it's, um, become a really beautiful balance. And that's, I think one of the reasons why we love working together is that I know Emily makes me better. Mm-hmm. And I like to think that I a little bit help Emily with some you stuff. Do. You absolutely <laughs> do. So anyway, what do you want to ask? <laughs> no, I was just going to say, it's, it's just also been really nice because I think I would be a terrible executive director and our team would just totally fall apart. Uh, and so I think, um, <laughs> it's just been really natural and really evident. Like I, even though we, we, we like to strategize together and I feel like all of our decisions are co are made together. 
I really like following. Like, Mm. I really like being kind of told what to do and being told what my task is and like being given a deadline. I'm like, okay, good. I can do that. But if you just give me a big idea and you tell me it's got to be done someday, it will never get done. I will, I'll be so overwhelmed and paralyzed. And so I think it just worked really, really well. And we've seen um, that our giftings, I think, really complement one another. Um, And like Laura said, I think there's just a real practical element of like, you know, I work seven to 10 hours a week for Risen Motherhood. I could not run Risen Motherhood on that. Like that would not serve the organization. And so it's just been really just even pragmatically, like Laura is a great fit for that. That's super helpful. Yeah. Um, Well, guys, as you guys look back over this, these last six years, um, Gosh, there has to be some things that you have just learned that the Lord has just shown you about yourself or just lessons in ministry, lessons in life. I would be so curious to know, you know, what would you say you've learned um, over these last six years of leading? Mm-hmm, that's good. It, it God has used it to teach me so many things. So it feels like this enormous question to try to whittle it down, but I will say just um, try to pick just one thing. Um, the Lord has really shown me what it looks like to trust Him as I pursue various season, various things in different seasons of my life and um, really trust Him to lead me of what my next move is and my next yes is. I have a tendency to just go, 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 go. You know, I'm a dreamer and I know how to make things happen, which is sometimes a dangerous combination. <laughs> and the Lord's really shown me of, of what a, a faithful life looks like. And it doesn't mean doing, doing, doing and going, going, going. And that my family and even my team, the women that um, I try to help lead that just really recognizing that leading by example in what a, I would call like a work rest balance looks like, not necessarily work life because it's all of work, right? It's the work that we do in the home. It's the work that we do in our vocations. And so really um, he's taught me what rest in him looks like Mm, and how even something as practical as Sabbath, like recognizing how hey Sabbath is actually just a physical representation of an interior state of my heart. And that's actually a practice that I need to do, knowing my own sin tendencies and personality, that that's something that's really important for me. And so I went through a season of burnout and um, I went through a season of just like some, some harder, deeper suffering and a lot of things piled on at once and um, suffered some very real consequences, probably that perhaps will be lifelong. And that was something that was a real wake up call to show me Hmm. that, Hey, I need to I need to slow down and trust the Lord. And, um, and even like a practical thing of like saying my first answer is no to literally everything. (laughs) And then if I'm still thinking about it and, you know, and, and, um, my husband affirms it, or if it's with risen mother that Emily affirms it, then I can change to a yes. But, um, I've now had to learn to put some very real guard rails around my life so that I don't get back in that. And that for me, I know for some people it wouldn't require this, but for me, it does require a real trust in God and knowing that like he ultimately plans my days and that his work will be accomplished whether or not I do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. It's so funny. Good. I think my lesson is exactly the opposite. Yeah, we're <laughs> yeah. So on brand for us. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I just think, I only imagined being a stay-at-home mom. You know, I never thought that I would have 
anything other than like a few little volunteer things. And (laughs) I didn't know that, you know, kind of a vocation would be part of my life. And so that has been something I've had to wrestle with the Lord through. Um, Mm. But I have just really appreciated learning that I can do more than I think that I can. And that's been really evidenced by um, this concept that I learned this year. I started lifting weights and I learned about progressive strength training and that actually to build your muscles and grow them stronger every week progressively, you have to lift a little bit heavier of a weight. And what that means is by the time you get to like your eighth rep, you literally feel like I cannot lift this one more Mm -hmm. time. And you tell yourself, I'm going to lift it one more time and you do it. And over the course of time, it's amazing because it hurts. You feel weak, you feel sore afterwards, but then you're able to lift heavier weights. And it's, it's kind of this counterintuitive thing. And so I think that principle has really played itself out in my life as I've taken on things outside of motherhood and added those things in is that oftentimes I feel very weak, very uncomfortable very like, I don't know how I'm going to get all of this stuff done. I don't feel like I have enough hours in my day. I don't, I don't like juggling all of these things, but over the course of time, God continually provides. And so I think now I've gotten to a point where I know that that uncomfortable feeling is going to happen, that I'm going to look at my schedule and I'm going to say, there's more things on there than I want. There's more deadlines than I'm comfortable with. But I know that God is going to provide and that he's going to carry me through this. And, um, you know, for some people like Laura, she's like, I'm sitting here thinking, oh, I love deadlines. Ooh, I love things on the list. That would just like motivate me. But that that for me has been, you know, because I would maybe err on the side of like, ooh, I I just stay in my comfortable little bubble. Um, I have had to learn that that discomfort and that God is going to meet me in that. And and then ultimately it is worth pouring myself out for the kingdom. It is worth being tired at the end of the day because I served. Um, and that that's that's good. And I could trust God in that. This is such good conversation, ladies. It's also really refreshing to hear different women's perspectives on the same thing mm-hmm. and they be okay. They're not at war with each other, you know? Yeah. Okay, guys, as we close, we usually ask for one piece of advice that you would leave for women who want to honor God with their calling. And in this case, that calling would be motherhood. And we know that we include spiritual mothers and adoptive mothers and just all the different non-traditional kinds of actual mothering. What would you want to leave them with? Yeah, I would just say this is probably similar to some things we've already seen said, but don't give up. Um, you know, you're not stuck. Mm. It's never too far gone. It's not hopeless. Um, you know, I have felt that both in my, my vocational work and in my motherhood that like, Hey, this child's behavior or my habits with screen time or whatever, like, I just, I've tried things. I'm tired of trying things. Um, it feels like it always fails. I feel like I'm not making progress, but just to not give up and to continue going to the Lord for wisdom, continue mm-hmm. trying new things. Don't become a cynic or a pessimist or think that um, God can never change you. He can never change your child. He can never change your situation. But, um, you know, just, yeah, just don't, don't give up. I tell myself that a lot of like, I yeah. can make a lot of changes. I can take a break, but I don't want to give up on the calling that God has given me. I don't know. Am I allowed to just echo that? I feel like, I feel like that is great advice. I'm just going to echo that. I mean, you heard me kind of saying it throughout this, but yeah, I, yes. I think that we need that no matter what role we're playing mm-hmm. and where we're doing the work. So I'm going to 
ditto, a big ditto. <laughs> yes. Excellent. Well, guys, what a pleasure it has been chatting with you. I have personally just been so encouraged um, and um, so many good things to think about. I even took some notes as we, you were uh, talking. So I'll keep thinking on those things. But um, thank you again for coming on. Yeah, we're so grateful for your work. Thanks for having us. It's a joy to be here. And yeah, we're grateful for your ministry to, to women as well. Definitely. Thank you. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to check out our website at womenwork.net for today's show notes. There will be more information about today's conversation there. And while you're there, we'd be honored for you to partner with us financially. If this podcast or really any of the content Women in Work produces has been a source of inspiration and encouragement to you. Women in Work is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization, so all your donations are fully tax deductible. If you enjoyed this episode and don't want to miss another one, please subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also love for you to take a minute to rate and review our show so that more listeners can find us. And with that, we hope you've been inspired to more confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. See you next time. Thank you.